0: From Orms, this is Orms Air, where we unpack and investigate the compelling questions at the forefront of our creative community's consciousness, joined by the artists, photographers, and creators brave enough to step up to the mic and join us in discussion. everybody, and welcome to Orms Air, the Orms podcast. This week in our digital studio, we are joined by Mishka Bosch, photographer and creator whose passion for sustainability and authenticity has led her to breaking away from the ordinary. Okay, so Mishka, um, we'd love to learn about your creative beginnings because you always think that uh, beginnings are a very, very good place to start. Um, So I wanted to ask you, what was your first introduction to photography?
1: So we always traveled a lot as I grew up and my family's always loved traveling. And at one point, I think I was in primary school, my dad and my mom, they were like, we should probably like start taking pictures of these amazing places that we're seeing. Yeah. Um, and back then, yeah, back then we bought an old, I think it was a Canon 1100D. And it was mm-hmm. my first introduction to like a DSLR or something with like aperture and shutter speeds and all of these things. Yeah. And I think at the time I was probably like 13 years old or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I kind of just immediately took this camera and I took it upon myself to be the family photographer, um, and I just played around with it essentially. Like at, on every trip, I was still shooting auto, completely auto. I was just like having fun with it. Yeah. And then I also had an uncle that was a photographer, so he kind of, as soon as he saw, oh, because she's like, or she's enjoying this, yeah. um, showed me what the aperture and shutter speed were, and showed me a bit about how DSLRs work. Um, and yeah, since then I've just been completely hooked. I love this though. I love
0: this like, um, very natural sort of finding of the craft.
1: I've always, yeah, I've always loved it. And then since then it was like, I needed to take pictures of everything. Like I would run (laughs) around the garden and just take pictures of leaves just to be doing it.
0: (laughs) But that's great. I mean, I suppose it also gives you quite a solid, um, beginning with it. You know, if you're, if you're Mm. already testing your limitations and sort of your creative output. At such a young age, as well.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was so mm. much fun.
0: And then you, um, you went on to study um, and receive a diploma in professional photography from City Varsity of Media Studies and Creative Arts. Um, so, what was your most valuable thing that you learned while studying photography?
1: I think the first one is definitely the value of a network. Like mm. it, as cliché as it sounds, the whole it's not who you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, that is so so true. Um, cause there's a lot of, and we kept on seeing this, there's a lot of talented people that end up nowhere because they don't put themselves out there and they don't network essentially. Yeah. And then the other one was definitely also, it was, yeah, it's a mix of nothing that you will ever create is new. Like everything's mm. been done and it's just up to you to do it better. Yeah. But then also don't do what other people are doing. It's yeah. a weird balance between the two. Um, so yes, find inspiration from what someone has done and add that to your work, but mm-hmm. don't copy and realize that your ideas are not new.
0: Yeah, this that's so interesting that you bring that up. Um, Jess, our podcast producer, and I actually had a full discussion about that, the idea that no ideas are original.
1: Yeah, and I do think it keeps a lot of people from starting something yeah. like, oh, for example, a podcast. I'm not going to start a podcast channel because there's so many out there. Yeah. But then I said, it's like, cool there are a lot out there but now it's up to you to do it
0: better exactly and bring your original offering to the table and find you know your sort of your community through that yeah totally yeah totally um and I love that you you hit on the the sort of understanding that yes it's okay to take an idea that maybe isn't originally your own as long as you're adding to it
1: yeah, and it was so cool. So we were always encouraged to share also where our inspirations came from. Mm. Um, it was never a fact of oh, hide where you got yeah. the inspiration from. They're always like, if you shot something, where did you see that first? Because it has been done before. Everything's been done.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I love that because then it's also like they can see how you found your own voice within the space that you. Yeah, that you drew inspiration from.
0: Yeah, totally. And then also in turn allowing everybody that's around you to share in that inspiration.
1: Yeah, it was that was such a valuable lesson mm. to see where someone started and how they kind of made it their own. Yeah. It, yeah, it was such an expanding exercise that we always followed. And when we went through mood boards and stuff with people, with our fellow students, mm-hmm. yeah, it was very cool to see how people put their own spin on things.
0: Yeah, and also just, I suppose, in, in the same in the same way gain more inspiration through their sort of unpacking and, and understanding of yes. that idea that is beautiful
1: yeah and that was also so cool when someone would explain something or how they see something I'm like mm. whoa, I would never have looked at it that way and then it's like so yeah they were inspired by this to do this and I was like I didn't even see it that way yeah. in the first place but yeah that was very cool
0: but that that is like it, and that's so it's so great to learn that because it is such a it's such a valuable mm-hmm. thing to be surrounded by creatives, all sort of inspiring one another and not keeping things yeah. closeted and hidden. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was one great thing about our whole class. I feel we had a small class. I think we were thirty five max, mm-hmm. but it was never a competition. Like everyone was always helping everyone, and we recognized that everyone had their own voice and their own direction that I want to go into I mean yeah. photography is one thing but within photography itself there are a million different worlds yeah and it was cool to see how like we all kind of encourage each other into our own worlds if that makes sense
0: no completely that sounds like a really beautiful space to have been like had your craft nurtured in
1: yeah it was cool it was cool just to be creative I mean coming from school in the northern suburbs where it's like mm. yeah you just do your thing and it's port and all of these yeah. things like Art was never really a thing that I did in school. And then going into this open space where you were open or allowed to do whatever you wanted, essentially. Mm. um, Yeah, it was amazing. It was so, so cool. We sort of, and I I
0: think I've had this conversation a lot with a lot of our guests on Orms Air, where we sort of chat about um, the idea that the digital age that we're in right now has, it hinders us in a lot of ways, but it also helps us and allows us to grow in a lot of ways. And one way that I think is particularly important for us as creatives is this idea that we have, um, with access to online and to the internet, we have so we have access to so many free resources that allow us to sort of teach ourselves through online learning and sort of gain gain that introspective. Um, Sort of facet that goes hand in hand with being creative. So I wanted to sort of touch, and obviously you've you were you um, studied um, through this city varsity of media studies and creative arts. Um, But do you feel that there is still value in getting a formal education in a creative field like photography?
1: In terms of learning the skill of photography, Mm. um, no. I think that can all be done online. And I keep as soon as younger kids or people coming out of school ask me that, like, should I go and study, and I'm Mm. like. If you have to put yourself in two hundred thousand rands worth of debt to yeah. go and study photography, don't do it. Like it is a skill that you are going or that you are able to learn online. And I think yeah. any skill these days can be I mean, if you wanna be a doctor, please go and study, but I mean with awesome and things, it is yeah, you can if you make the effort and you put instead of going to study for two years, you say, I'm gonna learn this skill in yeah. or the ins and outs of this skill Within the, or over the next two years, it can 100% be done. With that being said, in terms of building a network, I think mm-hmm. studying is very valuable, especially in our last year as well. We had a, um, I think we had over eight departments, mm-hmm. which included film students, drama students, media, marketing, all of these things. Um, so, I mean, just leaving last year after two years, I knew someone in film, I knew someone in makeup, I knew someone in fashion. Like, yeah. you already have this massive collaborative network that you can tap into whenever you need it. Yeah. Um, But also that is also something that you can build yourself. Mm -hmm. It is just going to be much, it is going to be much more difficult if you want to do it yourself. But like I said, it is a skill that can be learned online if you're willing to dedicate the time as well.
0: Yeah, completely. And I suppose, um, like you were saying, I mean, it is obviously, it's not impossible to build those connections in that community in a digital space. And I think I mean, case in point, I feel like your Instagram channel is probably a very good um example of that. I mean, you've built an incredible mm-hmm. community around your your creations, but I can imagine that um collaborative work wise it's maybe not exactly the same the same thing as meeting people who, like you said, have other creative skills and skills that you can learn from as well as another facet of that it's pretty- not, yeah, it's not the same yeah, thing and it's
1: also like you can sit in your room and learn something on YouTube or whatever. Mm. And yes, it's that person teaching the skill. But I mean, like I said, you would never have those exercises of seeing how other people see art or yeah. see photography. You'd never get that. So it's definitely valuable. But like I said, yeah, if it's going to cause you to go into like thousands of strands of debt, mm. you can do it yourself if you're willing to ded- dedicate the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like, I also do think in terms of networking on your own, I mean, meeting someone and knowing a lecturer that has this exhibition and going to that exhibition and meeting people there mm-hmm. is obviously going to be more valuable than trying to send out emails and say like, hi, this is who I am because yeah. that just falls onto their fears.
0: Yeah, completely. So it's not impossible. It's just more work. I think that's sort of the takeaway yeah. from that. Yeah. Can we, can we sort of talk about gear for a second, a hot second?
1: Yeah, go for it. Okay, please.
0: cool. So, what gear do you use um, when you are creating your images?
1: Okay, first so let's start with a phone. I've got an mm-hmm. iPhone 11, mm-hmm. um, which has changed the game in terms of just like on the go things quickly. Yeah. Um, my DSLR is a Canon 70D. Okay. And I shoot with a Tamron 2470 lens um, or 50, a 50, f 1.4. Yeah. Um, and then wide angle I don't have one But I do often use one And then I'll just lend or borrow one I even another yeah. a 16mm um, Yeah, anything under 25mm For like mm. interior type shots um, And then recently And I, I keep on saying I was so stubborn going over to this Everyone told me get a mirrorless Like get one of those little Compact mirrorless mm-hmm. ones And I was like There is no way That this small camera Can do what my DSLR is doing Like There's just no way and then eventually I got a Fuji. I got the Fuji xt thirty. Ooh, nice. Um, and just had, yeah. and a fixed 35mm lens on that. And I am obsessed. Like, mm. I've yeah, i I've apologized to everyone that I thought. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. I will get rid of my DSLR because these things are incredible.
0: Incredible. Especially
1: for traveling and stuff.
0: Yeah. But that's the thing. And I, I fully agree with you and I hear you. I think it's it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, how? How could this ever exactly. match up to my big sort of beefy DSLR? But actually, they're pretty great. No, there's
1: been some instances, mm. especially when traveling, it's changed my life. I mean, yeah. having that with you versus, I mean, especially DSLR over the twenty four seventy. I mean, that's yeah. a hefty lens. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's yeah, just it's completely changed the game. And there has been, like I said, some instances where the Fuji content and quality, I've actually preferred that over the DSLRs. Mm.
0: I think we, we have quite a we have quite a strong um, Fujifilm sort of fan base going on at Orms. So you're preaching it is a little to cult. the
1: choir. It is a yeah, cult in <laughs> definitely and then preaching. I don't know if you guys are interested in yeah. films, but for yes. film I my shoot on a Canon AE1. Okay. Yeah, AE1. And then I've got like a little Canon HBO point and shoot. Do you know those ones that like everyone has one. Yeah. At home, I just do that for fun, kind of like just a playing one. Do you
0: have a do you have a preferred um, film that you that you use in your cameras?
1: I always say I'm so cheap, so I just go with like the, the Fuji thirty five. You know that yeah. two hundred ISO, the go to one. Um, I have shot on the Kodak. I think it was the Kodak hundred, the black and white before, and I love mm. that one. Um, and Ilford, of course, anything else is always yeah. amazing. But I mean, I shoot so many in the the films. Or I shoot so much in the films that I shoot. It's more personal memories. Like I always mm. say. I think of film as, like, that's the actual memories that I want to keep, where digitals work. Yeah. Um, so I'm not too fussed about the quality on film and stuff. It's literally just, like, shooting everyday things. Yeah. And, yeah, I'll shoot, like, a ro- I'll shoot two or three rolls a day. Like, I'm just messing around with it.
0: Is that sort of, like, your your creative play?
1: Totally, yeah. Mm. And like I said, those are the personal memories. So those are, like, the family pictures are taken on film and the dog pictures yeah. are taken on film and all these things. <laughs>
0: But I love, I think that there's such a magical aspect of film and shooting on film. You know, like you, mm. again, you don't see those images instantly. You have to wait. It's like, it's like gifting your future self a little
1: bit. It's so exciting. Mm. And I always have this habit of just like throwing the full rolls into my camera bag and forgetting about them. Yeah. And then every now and then when I do a clean out, there's like six rolls of film in my bag. And I'm like, okay, I don't even remember where I shot these or mm. what these are. And then I go and bed, everything at once and then like you find memories from months ago that you forgot about and it's just oh, incredible.
0: Yeah, it's such a it's such a nice surprise. So on your website which features a lot of your work, you mentioned that while you did study photography formally at an institution, <laughs> um you sort of went on to perf- pursue a career in community management, PR and sort of social media management. And there's also an article that we found on futurefemales.co, which I will link in the show notes below for all of our listeners. So if you guys want to check that out, it will be there. Um, Where you speak to um, this transitional period that you went through in 2019, where you, um, I want to say took a risk, because I think for a lot of us it does feel like a risk, where you quit your day job and you became a full-time freelance photographer and content creator... I can, I can imagine that that must have been quite a stressful time. So I wanted to ask you, how did you go about transitioning into full-time freelancing and content creation? What was that sort of process like?
1: And it wasn't. I keep on saying it wasn't. As, the timing mm-hmm. wasn't planned. Okay. But I mean, in terms of knowing that the the eventual goal was to work myself, that yeah. was one hundred percent always, like I said, the goal. Mm. Um, and I would never admit this to my manager at the time, but like I knew. I always worked an office job Yeah. to leave that office job if it makes sense. Yeah. Like I wanted... 100%. And yeah, so there's the transition between studying photography and PR and social media was completely by accident. Mm. I knew after vastly I wanted to get into the media world and learn how... So cool, I can take a picture now but I wanted to learn how the media and marketing world works. Yeah. That's the thing where photography is used. Um, so I just, I got a junior job in a PR agency or PR slash social media agency mm-hmm. and I just did anything there was basically an intern just like worked there for a few months yeah and then i got a job um at a bigger company which where i was a community manager mm-hmm. um worked there for just under 2 years i think it was but yeah like i said i always knew office jobs and 9 to 5s were just a stepping stone for me yeah and not knocking it at all i think it was so valuable and mm. to this day the things i learned there i would never have learned or have seen anyway if I didn't work that job yeah um and you learn the structures of a business so much like yeah. that was so valuable and I think I keep on telling everyone like this is probably the, the last piece of advice you would expect from me but I'm like go work a to five like mm-hmm. see how businesses work see how it's set up learn the different departments like everything about it yeah um so yeah I always knew I wanted to eventually work for myself and yeah. then at the time, I was—I always kept, like I said, photography has always been a part of what I was doing and mm-hmm. content creation and sharing my story on Instagram and social media. So I always kept that going, and it's always been a behind-the-scenes thing to me. Um, but then learning what I learned within the media world and seeing how other content creators were doing it and seeing how seeing how the business of it worked and yeah. learning how the business of it worked—that kind of always slowly but surely. At the time, I probably wasn't even aware of this. but started honing a business around it or kind Mm -hmm. of curating this, like I said, the website and all of the different channels and treat, starting to treat it more as a business.
2: Yeah.
1: And then people started recognizing that. And then within the last year of working in an office, more people started approaching on the side. And I took on all of the side work at the time. There was like, you would work a nine to five, but I'd wake up at five, start working on the freelance stuff. Yeah. Go to the office at nine, work a full office day. When you get home at five, you might take a 20-minute breather and then you'd start the freelance work again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like four days of working. And then eventually, I think there was one, I, I'm also serious type A, so I have spreadsheet upon spreadsheet of everything. Um, and I was tracking the income I was making on the side, mm-hmm. um, just the freelance type stuff, this is the content creation stuff, and like helping small businesses with their social media, whatever I was doing outside of the night five. Yeah, And I was like, whoa, I could imagine if I dedicated my full day to this, I could match my salary. And it was then that switch. When I saw in one month how I'm, how much I was making on the side, I was like, and this is just in my free time. Imagine mm. what I could be doing, like I said, if I had a full day towards this. yeah. Um, and then I started taking it more seriously. So then I seriously started not even approaching people, but just putting it more out there and like, taking my things seriously and being consistent and creating more content and working with brands and all of these things. Yeah. Um, up until the point where I was like, okay, cool. This is, this is actually, or this can be a thing. And it's been a few months now. And I know if I, as I was also getting more and more attention, not attention, but just people approaching, me, and I was like saying no to some people. Cause I was like, I still need to work my nine to five. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of the timing. So I knew I wanted to finish that year or kind of complete that year at the yeah. company that I was working for. Um, but yeah, and then everything, that, it, it, all, it all happened so quickly, I feel, when you kind of put things into place. But by the time I quit, and I always, this is probably my like number one piece of advice for people wanting to go freelance is don't quit your day job. <laughs> um, so at the time, before I gave my final month's notice, mm-hmm. I had... I already knew I had three clients or three contracts starting the following month. So by the time I quit, three contracts would start immediately, which would completely support my salary. So yeah. that was like I knew I was earning the same from the moment I left the company. And also because I'm type A, like I said, mm-hmm. I saved up every cent that I made from freelance work over those few months.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so by the time that I also quit, I had about three, three to four months worth of salary saved up. Yeah. Um. Because I didn't touch a cent of the side work at the time. Um. I just had that saved up for in case, because everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, wait to quiet months are gonna come. Quiet months are gonna come." So I was like, "Of oh, course, cool. those quiet months gonna come. I'm gonna be prepared for it." Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, like I said, I had I already knew contracts were gonna start, and I had a few months worth the salary saved up for in case things didn't pick up as quickly as I thought it would.
0: So you were very, very
2: prepared.
1: I'm probably as prepared as you could be. Like, there was no part of me that would just walk in there one day and say, like, cheers, I'm done. But also, like I said, it's like I I started, like I said, I'll never admit this to my manager at the time, but I started working there knowing that I'm working towards leaving there. Yeah.
0: No, but I I mean, I think at the same time, if you know and you have that, like, idea and that very, very solid direction that you want to go in, you're going to go in that Mm. direction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I completely and also this is what I always tell students this like your your learning doesn't stop the day you leave varsity or college or yeah. whatever you do it stops whenever like you still continue to learn within the workplace and yeah. that's very important going back to the you need to work a 9 to 5 or mm-hmm. an office job
0: at least once in your life but it's so I love that you touched on this because um, where you said that working within an office structure within like a, a sort of company structure you learn to that culture and how all of the different facets of that worked, which, I mean, is invaluable mm-hmm. experience at the end of the day.
1: Completely, and you mm. also learn kind of a structure to a work day. I mean, yeah, I probably still work the same route, or I still have the same routine that I had in my nine-to-five, because I've fallen into that routine, I yeah. now I get work done in that routine. And like you said, also like company culture and mm. learning how to work with people and learning how to work within a team is also so, so valuable. Yeah. Like, you can't yeah, It's not always up to you and you can't always take the lead on everything. Sometimes you are dependent on other people.
0: Yeah, which is, again, such an important skill. And I feel like it sort of comes mm-hmm. full circle from what you were you mentioned earlier about um, when you studied and that ability to sort of share inspiration and be inspired by those around you.
1: Yeah, like I said, this is this is probably my number one thing above everything that I've said mm-hmm. before, the people. The people, that's what's going to help you and going to make you. Like your next, I don't even like using the word network. It's just like the people around you are going to get you where you ultimately want to be, and you need
0: to value that. Yeah, totally. Those connections, like connectivity, I think, maybe a nicer word mm, than connections. network. That's, I suppose yeah. Connections above
2: network. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. Feels more holistic that way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're gonna take a quick break and hydrates, but while we do that, you can help us make our creative community bigger. By spreading the word and sharing alms air with your community we'd love to have you join the discussion and make your voice heard by dming inboxing tweeting emailing or even carrier pigeoning your most burning creative thoughts questions and wanderings. go on you know you want to so how did you how did you so you've done you obviously you've taken us through sort of quitting your day job and then all of the planning that went into quitting your day your day job and sort of the the structure that then fell into place once you had gone fully freelance. Um, but how did you go about finding like your niche and your voice as someone who creates content about sustainability and supporting local and slow living, that whole sort of ethos?
1: Have I found a niche? <laughs> <laughs> as an outsider, I don't know. yes. Like, I, I just- <laughs> I've just always shared what's what feels mm-hmm. true to me like there was never a point or there is never a point where I will share something that doesn't feel like me if that makes mm-hmm. sense mm. and I'm also I'm easily bored so as soon as I see something even if it's a brand or a product shared somewhere else yeah even a place I'm like eh, okay cool it's been done if you yeah. know what I mean so I'm always on the hunt for the, the new things that you won't see anywhere else and like I said, it's just as soon as it doesn't feel true to me, I won't share it. And maybe that's just where that came from, like sharing mm. whatever feels true to you. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. And just like, like I said, as soon as something's been done or a, 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 even just a general direction, like yeah. a topic's been discussed, I'm like, oh, cool, Can know, someone's done it. I need to find something else.
0: <laughs> but maybe that's maybe that's what we're picking up on that um, sort of very concrete knowledge and understanding of the portrayal of an authentic voice and an authentic sort of Mishka experience. Because that's what you're, you're treated to when you, when you visit your um, Instagram page, for example, and your website. It's that continuous authenticity that shows through. It's your voice. And it is very strong.
1: Amazing. Oh, that I'm just mm. so happy to hear It's always... <laughs> I keep on saying to people, especially when someone will, like, send you a message saying, like, oh, we love this blog post, or we love this, or yeah. this. I'm always like, I, you forget people are seeing this. Like, yeah. l- logically, I know people are seeing this. But, I mean, yeah, you forget just, like, people are actually watching and following mm. along and, like, having this overview of, essentially, your life.
0: Yeah. It must be a very strange, a very strange thing to wrap your head around, I think
1: it's no it's so like i said you don't even fathom it it's like i post my things because it's what i genuinely do i also think it it might be different to people that are very curated and things like i just Mm. post what i do on a day and yes it is to a certain aspect curated but Mm -hmm. i mean it's genuinely what i'm doing or genuinely my life and the things that i love um so it's like I've always looked at social media and my website, especially like mm. just this way for myself to keep things together of like all of these moments and memories and things that I love. Um, so it's, yeah, it's never been to me about people seeing it. And then when people let you know that they see it, it's always like, Oh, flip, this isn't just for me. I need to keep that in mind.
0: But it's also nice. It's that reassurance that it is reaching people.
1: Yeah, it's completely. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like every now and then it's like, Oh, this hard work isn't for nothing. Mm. So
0: you do a lot of work with brands like Nude Foods and Hannah Levery, which whose clothing I just I'm obsessed with. So beautiful and um, Nima oh, Madge. It's right? Oh my gosh! And can so I just stunning. as a very very um, personal side note, I saw I don't know if you I'm sure you saw this that they were going to close a couple of their stores with their Joburg store. During lockdown, and mm-hmm. now the other day I, I got so excited about this. I saw an announcement um, on their on their Instagram page that they're not closing and they're continuing on oh, the
2: park. Yes, yeah, I
1: know. Yes. it's always like every time I see stuff like this for local brands, I'm like, yes, it's like a little fist pump. Of, yeah, like, somehow somehow you've fallen into that messaging, and yeah. like it's very cool to see. I was so happy
0: for her. Yeah, I did a little. I'm not gonna lie, I did a little like sort of happy dance slash like
1: just right? pumping. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Um, so, if you're open to to sort of discussing this, we'd love to learn more about how um, these sort of collaborations that you you do a lot of uh, of um, how they work. So, do you, how do you how does this sort of start? Do brands just approach you to create content for them, or do you come up with an idea and see a brand that you really would like love to work with and approach them, or is it sort of a combination of both of those things?
1: I think it's a combination of both, and it's very mm-hmm. brand-dependent. So, for yeah. example, I mean, just in the names that you mentioned, for yeah. example, with Nude, I think examples might be best. But, but um, before I quit at the company, Nude mm-hmm. Foods, the owner Paul, he actually approached me and said, do you need some help with social media and stuff and mm-hmm. just content creation and photography? And he wants to up just the visual aspects of the brand a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I told him, I'm sorry, I'm at full capacity right now. Like, I'm still trying to juggle freelance work and a full-time job um yeah I just I essentially just told him sorry not I can't yeah um and then by the time that I quit I remembered like this is also where network comes in again I remember that oh new foods mentioned once upon a time that they needed some help and I just sent emails to the people that might have reached out months ago and kind of forgot about me
2: mm-hmm. just
1: being like oh I do have more capacity now like let me know what where I can help like what do you guys need um I'm, I'm available essentially.
2: Yeah.
1: And so, yeah, I always say there's always two different aspects to this as well. There's the behind the scenes, I call them clients. That's just, those are the ones that you create for them. Mm -hmm. Um, so for example, news food is one of them at no point. Did they ask me to share anything about them on my social media? Like that was not a brand awareness Mm. collaboration, if it makes sense. It was completely just like offline. Um, and But because it fell into my messaging so much and because I genuinely love the brand and shop there, mm. I always just shared whenever I popped in and just, like, gave them a shout-out. Yeah. Um, in terms of Hannah, I also didn't you know, that was also not... I, I'm not I'm not a fan of approaching brands often okay, at all. Yeah. Um, I can probably count on one hand how many people I've actually approached directly. Mm. Um, so with Hannah, it was me often like collaborate with a photographer so I don't know if you've ever seen Paige Wood photography
0: we love Paige Wood we've had her on the podcast we big fans incredible big she's, fans yeah she's amazing yeah she is
1: so at the time when we're, like, we're good friends as well and we had this idea mm-hmm. we were both in like a creative rut so we were just like we want to create something like let's just play again and create for the sake of creating mm-hmm. and I was invited to go and stay at a place just a place of accommodation they invited me out and said Come and stay here whenever you'd like. Yeah. Um, just kind of share that you're here. And I told Paige, I was like, this place could be really nice for a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of like knew we wanted to just go away for the weekend and just spend the whole weekend creating content there. Amazing, and then put it out on social media. We were like, we are traveling to this place. Like, if there's anyone that needs lookbook shots or mm-hmm. just images for their social media, let us know. Like, we're going to be shooting anyway. And that's where Hannah kind of jumped on board. And they were like, this place is amazing. We love what you've what two girls do yeah um take some Hannah stuff with you and we just shoot there so that was how that so it was in part a reach out but not to them specifically yeah um and with Anima, that was also so I don't know if you've ever seen um Epitome of Adventure Charles. we've had her on the podcast also a big fan of her work <laughs> amazing she's yeah. one of my best friends um and at the time last year we were traveling together quite a bit because mm. it's like I mean it's so much fun Travelling with Essentially your best friend We just create content together we always got so inspired Um, I think Nima came From her contacting them And -hmm. then she was like Oh do you want to come with It was like a plus one thing And we've always done that Like if I get a collaboration I always take her with Yeah It's yeah It's just so cool And also just Spending the weekend away together Creating together It's very very cool Yeah
2: Um,
1: But yeah Like I said In terms of reaching out I do it very seldomly if it falls and I think this is the only time I will ever do it if it kind of falls into my story yeah. so let's say for example I'm on a road trip and I was going to do this road trip anyway and I was heading from here to here and you fall on the way then maybe I might reach out to a place of accommodation for example and be yeah. like I'm doing this trip it is being shared um, if you would be willing to host me I would love to create some content for you Yeah. but once again I probably did that twice in my entire life um, and no clothing, clothing labels and product based brands, I don't reach out to at all mm-hmm. because it's just like something that I also don't want to clothing. Yeah, but products, I don't want to push yeah. too much also depending on the like avenue that it goes into because it's such a personal topic most, yeah. most of the time. Um, but yeah, most of it just like kind of comes of me living, doing my thing. And if I have a story to tell and I think I genuinely only reach out if I think a brand or a business falls effortlessly
0: into that story. So we sort of had like a mutual yay about um, their store in Johannesburg remaining open through COVID, through the struggle that we all know has been very real during these times. But I also wanted to ask you um, where the passion comes from, because I feel like you you do have a lot of passion about sharing the stories of local creators and individuals and businesses and non-profit organizations.
1: Um, I think it comes mainly from seeing I grew up with a mom that had her had her own business. Okay. Yeah. And I think just I mean, growing my entire life she had yeah, her own yeah. business. And seeing what what impact one comment or mm-hmm. one product that sold or like one invoice that was left unpaid, like that impact that it had on her. Mm-hmm. And then I realised every time I'm spending money, it it can also go to someone literally doing a fist pump every time someone, like I said, purchased something. Yeah. Um and then I just also the whole it fell into the whole sustainability part of it and just mm-hmm. trying to be I always say people get hung up on sustainability, but to me it's more about being as kind as I can yeah. in every avenue of my life.
2: Yeah. and
1: sustainability is just the avenue towards the environment. Um, but yeah, like I said, if I can spend money and and make someone as happy as as I can imagine Hannah was when she reopened her parker yeah. store. That would, that would be amazing. Like, that's yeah. That's just a whole inspiration to me towards it. Yeah. And I, I would never once, because I'm such a minimalist and I shop mm. very intentionally and I shop as little as possible, essentially. So Every time I do end up spending money, I'm like, where is this going? And who am I supporting doing mm. this? And do I agree with their message? And if I don't, why am I giving you my money? Yeah. Like, I worked hard for this. Yeah. Why would I give it away to someone that I don't care about?
0: I love that. And I love that you've hit on that at that point so hard. It's about focusing on being as kind as you possibly can in every facet. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's such a life lesson, I think, for all of us, especially in these times, because I think we are, we are given more of a, an inner look at how difficult things have become, especially for smaller local brands.
1: Yeah, and it has been actually such been devastating time but also such a beautiful time to see how people are rallying Mm. together to support people that are going under yeah i mean there's been a million um examples that you can show but i mean as soon as a a restaurant that people love it's like everyone yeah everyone just rallies together to help and support them Mm. so i definitely do think the focus on supporting local has upped a lot during this time yeah
0: and again it like it, it gives me it makes me almost feel like um my heart is warm when that happens you know like Mm. people just banding together and actually showing um and discovering in some instances the strength that we have when we are all sort of aiming you know working towards a similar goal
1: yeah and I Mm. think a lot of people now even just having that shift of like oh I need this Mm. oh isn't there like a local person that can supply this to me and I think that shift has happened a lot people are constantly asking like I'm in need of something let's just at least have a look at where I can get that locally. Mm. That's always what I say. Like, If you genuinely need something and you cannot find a local alternative, then by all means buy the mass-produced thing. Yeah. But I guarantee you, almost 90% of the time, you will find someone doing it locally.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly it. I think it just takes a tiny bit, a tiny bit more hard work on your part to investigate and find and uncover that sort of local business that is offering it. Um, so do you have any advice for content creators um, when it comes to sort of navigating their relationships with brands?
1: First one, definitely remember people. Mm. Whenever you send an email or like an Instagram photo or even just like send someone a DM, mm-hmm. that's a person behind that picture, or a person behind that account or yeah. a person behind that email address. And I think if you remember just keeping the, you you human humane human humanity what i'm what what am i looking for <laughs> humanity yeah there we go yeah. just like the humanity about chatting to people mm-hmm. um that's always what i do i always laugh when someone i have i've had this so often where mm-hmm. someone saw my business meetings or quote-unquote business meetings are yeah. always like did you just have a meeting and i'm like yeah but it feels like a chat with a friend because i'm like it's people these people yeah. have lives outside of their jobs as well like Keep that in mind and you'll always just come across as just a decent human. Yeah. And also I think a lot of people are so focused on getting free stuff or getting paid to do something. Like, does it even fall into your, like I said, the story of you, does it fall into your lifestyle? Like, Mm -hmm. don't go reaching out for stuff just because you want free stuff or you want the paycheck. Like, yeah, reach out when you genuinely see it falling into your story and Mm -hmm. don't unintentionally just go and send out 500 emails because
0: you want one to buy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think this is also something that we take for granted um, in a community capacity that you're following or the community that you are building around you, whether that be digital or in real life, those people are able to pick up on when you are not being authentic and when you are just pushing product for pushing product's sake.
1: Yeah, like I said, there's no gain for me out of that, especially, and I do think the South African market is still very small in terms of full-time content creators, like, we aren't getting paid to post these things often, more often than not, like, you'll get free stuff and that's cool but, I mean, yeah, it's just like something, like I said, if it doesn't organically fit into the way that I'm living Mm -hmm. my life, and if I need this is always the thing that I ask, if I need to go out of my way to kind of Fit this into the platform, or fit this into the story. Then it shouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah, hundred percent. Before we continue
0: unpacking this topic, we would like to give a big thank you to Orms, without whom this wonderful podcast would not be possible. Orms is a cornerstone of the creative community in South Africa, offering industry-leading support, the latest gear, and world-class display options to photographers, artists, and visual creators both locally and internationally. As always, you can find out everything you need to know by visiting ormsdirect.co.za. The link can also be found in the show notes for this episode. Now let's get back to the discussion. So can we can we flip that question a little bit um, and then hmm. ask from the brand, the brand needing advice or the brand's needing advice in this situation? Um, so Influenable. how...
1: Influenable.
0: Yeah, so sort of like how how a brand or maybe a small business um would start mm. or begin that those you know, like begin those beginning stages, take those baby steps into fostering healthy relationships with content creators.
1: The first one I always tell people is forget followers, forget mm. numbers. Yes, to an extent it is important because you want people to see your business or brand and yeah. People always, I see so many local businesses just immediately running for the person with 50,000 followers. Yeah. And this is the same advice that I had for the influencers. It's like, do they fit into your story? Does this person even use your products Or mm. if it's a product-based brand or like, yeah, just is, does they do they fit into your story as much as you want to fit into theirs? Mm. That's basically the main question you might see 50,000 followers. and I, keep, I just use that as a ballpark, but I mean, yeah, you might see 50,000 and think, oh my goodness, 50,000 people are seeing this. That's amazing. Yeah. But how many of those people are actually listening and engaging? Like yeah. how many of those people will actually go and buy that product because they truly believe what that person is saying? Yeah. And yes, there are people that have built massive followings that are 100% engaged and listening to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, it's just like I I always say like rather focus on the person with 2,000 followers but with 2,000 people that will actually click through to your product if it's a product or Mm. visit your restaurant if it's a restaurant than someone with 40,000 where only 500 people will be listening.
0: Yeah, I don't want to add social media speak into this but I feel like it might be a little a a good space to, to sort of slide it in a little bit. It's about the engagement. At the end of the day that's that's the most important thing that it's about it's about the people who are and as you said um who are actually like you know benefiting from what you're posting and who are more likely to then follow through with that
2: yeah that makes sense I always yeah.
1: say if you want to work with someone professionally in terms of co- brands and content creators, go and look who's been tagging you mm. without you asking yeah. like, go and look and who's been sharing your product and then be like you genuinely love our stuff. Yeah. We can see you fit into our story.
0: So while we're sort of in the realm of, of social and digital, um, I think we all, and I, I say this as a blanket statement because I'm obviously not sure if every one of our listeners is on social or has a presence, but I think that um, everyone who is and who is engaged in that in that sort of sphere, um, we know that it, it can be such a beautiful tool and offering and um, community builder. Um, but it can also, on the other hand, be quite noisy and quite invasive and at the end of the day, quite exhausting. As somebody who creates content for social media and spends, a, I can imagine, a big portion of your time on those platforms doing community management for brands, etc. how do you find a balance and at the end of the day, stay sane through all of the noise?
1: I think this is one part or one of the biggest reasons why I'm mm. grateful that it is a job to me because I see it as a job. Mm. So that makes it easier to cut off. Yeah. Um, and also because, like you said, there's so many different brands that's happening or accounts to manage and things to post on and yeah. even just my own account. I mean, between the website and Instagram and Instagram stories and IGTV and Facebook and all of these things, it's like you don't actually have time to fall into that scrolling trap. And yeah. yes, I do, but very seldomly because it's like, cool, okay, I need to log into Instagram to post this now i need to leave because it needs to go to facebook and oh my goodness i need to still post this to the blog and it's like you're running around between all of the platforms without yeah. actually yeah without actually taking anything in from other people mm-hmm. um where where i think if you don't do it as a job and you can just sit and scroll and scroll and scroll it is more tempting yeah but i always tell people just be very intentional about who you're following and kind of try and catch yourself as often as you can when it just falls into that aimless scrolling trap mm. because it is very tempting. I mean these these platforms are built to have you aimlessly scroll. Yeah. Um but just be very intentional about who you're following and kind of every now and then I do a full audit of my following and I'm like I don't really resonate with your store anymore and it's not a personal thing. People mm. change and sometimes I'm just like I don't I don't maybe you move away and I'm not looking at your restaurant recommendations anymore because I can't go there, yeah. like for, on that example. Um, so then I just like go through them and see, oh, I've kind of lost lost my my connection basically yeah. with what you're sharing. And just unfollow. And it's not a personal thing. I think people also need to realize that when someone unfollows you, it's like they might have just lost that connection with you and that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, and I get a lot of people saying, oh, we can't unfollow these people, they're friends mute them like you can follow 500 people and only see 10 people's posts yeah um and make sure like I said like for me for example stories is always the one changing thing for me Mm. I start watching stories I will sit there for three hours um I've I've basically muted 80% of people's stories Mm -hmm. except for a few like a handful of friends and some people I genuinely want to keep updated on their lives yeah um I yeah I just don't really watch it and also I think it's very important for me to have a kind of create and just taking in balance, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I always, I check myself. I'm like, if I'm not creating today, I'm not going to be taking in any, anything. Mm. Um, and there's, there's something to be said for drawing inspiration as well, but don't sit and just, yeah, just scroll. Yeah. I love But I do, it's totally a thing. Like I have such a massive love, hate relationship with social media. And yeah. I think, If it wasn't for what I was doing and the way that I was doing it and having it as a job, essentially, Mm. I would not even have an Instagram account.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I think this is also the thing. And it's such a weird, a weird space to be in because, like you said, you are doing it as sort of part of your, your job. And that Mm. allows you to almost create two separate worlds from which you view it. And I think a lot of us are stuck in the one world because we are more, I don't know. I suppose we are the community, not the the community guidance, yeah. if that
1: makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, it, but that is very, like, I've never seen social media as a, like, off-time thing. If it yeah.
0: Makes sense. No, 100%.
1: For most people it is. Yeah. So I, I almost can't even, because I started my Instagram account when I started working in marketing and PR. Mm. So it's like, I've always seen it as a business tool or business, essentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can't even imagine like coming home after days of a full day of work and then sitting and chilling on social media <laughs> like yeah, just yeah, something I've never done.
0: I love. Um, also, I I must just say Instagram has apparently released a new feature that now you know Tik. I don't know if you've been on TikTok if you've if you sort of looked into the platform at all?
1: TikTok got me in lockdown. (laughs) I was hooked on TikTok in lockdown because it was such a cool space because it was curated and I was worrying and it was just fun. And it's like, that's what I will admit. That was my like switching off platform. Like after a full day of curating Instagram and posting Instagram and posting for brands on Instagram, I was like,
0: Cool TikTok <laughs> but I would I, I, like I, I do love it as a platform. I think it's it's so creative. The people on there are just creating such interesting stuff. And the the um the time limitation fascinates me. Because I think if yeah. I was to step into those shoes and it's just fun. Yeah, exactly. It's for fun. But so Instagram has sort of released this new feature or they're unlo- um they are um introducing a new feature that allows you to endlessly scroll through. So very similar to that TikTok trap that I, f- I think a lot of us got caught in, especially during lockdown.
1: Oh, like a for you page where it's like not even people that you follow. It's just, just like scroll. continues and continues.
0: Yeah, continues, 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 continues. So you oh, get stuck cool. in that loop.
1: I no, mean, completely. Even yeah. like explore page. I don't even touch the explore page because I'm like, I don't even want to open this because I know it will just. Leave. Yeah. Have you ever started, started at one point on Instagram and then you're like, this one tags, this one and you go to this one, press one this one goes to this one and then this one. Yeah. And then you have to like press back to go back to the homepage, and then you realize the whole path that you followed to get you, and it's you're just crazy, absolutely disgusted with yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then it's three hours later, and you're in your deep in an Instagram hole, and you have no, no idea no, how it's you got so it. So tempting, yeah,
1: it's so tempting. I think, very, but I do think it's just like checking yourself, yeah, and just yeah, following people that actually inspire you, because like I said, I do have a love hate relationship mm-hmm. with it, where at one point I do hate what it what it is and what it does to some people but also it's one of my biggest forms of inspiration and when you follow people intentionally it can be that it can be totally just this massive like bubble of inspiration
0: yes but I think you. you, I must admit yeah
1: in terms of scrolling outside of like just fun TikTok like Pinterest has been amazing for me as well like I am obsessed with Pinterest that's my endlessly scrolling you know that's like Mm. 10 o'clock in bed you don't want to go to sleep yet and you don't want to read so you just start scrolling yeah Pinterest is
0: my go to. Designing your, your future life. That's sort of my. my Literally,
1: but it's just so <laughs> yeah. inspirational and it's stunning. Everything yeah. is pretty.
0: It's so perfectly curated. And it, so doesn't, yeah, it
1: doesn't feel as fake as Instagram. It yeah. I kind of feel like.
0: You're presenting yeah, a curation. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, I love, sorry, I just want to go back to what you said. I love that you um, referred to following following with intent. Intense. Intense. Mm. Um, (laughs) and making sure that the intention, (laughs) we've also, um, they're doing a little bit of renovations in our studio that's attached to our marketing office, which is why I'm setting up my desk. But the the smell of glue has been so hectic today in the office. So I might be a little bit not altogether.
1: Are you guys guys still on Renan Street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I I used to live there when I was studying, because like the Orms are like, (laughs) On, across the road. Yeah. We had stuff printed hours before projects like that. And also like as a student, the free coffee at Orms saved yes, our lives. Lifesaver. <laughs> yes, we would hang out there for hours. I will never admit this yeah, We sat there for hours and just like, Oh no, we're waiting for a print
0: <laughs> I mean I love that you I love that you
1: said you'd never admit this, but we, we literally have that on
0: recording now, Mishka.
1: No more <laughs> <laughs> You're going to steal free coffee at Orms it's actually kind of a,
0: it's a sad, it's a little bit of a sad time because obviously due to um COVID and the concern about keeping um our clients and our community and our, our team safe, we actually aren't doing coffee at the moment just to keep the sort of the I know risk the last time I visited Orms was
1: to sad. go and drop or film and it was actually in the parking lot. I'm like, this is like, I used to mm-hmm. love the whole experience just going and like can in and like chatting to some of the people again and then yeah. leaving.
0: I'm like, I god, just stay outside. <laughs> I know it's but we're we're um we're open again. So we're allowing people inside. So that's back on track and the coffee will come soon enough. We just want to make sure that everybody's safe, of course.
1: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: Of course. Can we go back to the intention? The <laughs> idea of, of of creating this community that you are essentially a part of digitally. Um, but ensuring that your intention with following the people that you follow and the people that you allow to like you know, speak in your daily life. It's Mm. it's such an important thing to keep in mind. I think
1: it's also the question I always ask myself is like, Mm. Oh, I think a lot of people could ask themselves Mm. this question. Like, you know what this blogger in Canada is doing on her day to day basis. But Mm. when last did you check in with your best friend Mm. or with your grandma, if she's still around or with your parents? Like, we we don't always need to be knowing what these people are doing as much as we need to be knowing what the people around us are doing, and it mm-hmm. might not be as glamorous as those people's lives, but it's still like I said, those are your people, and focus on them before you focus on a stranger online.
0: Mm. Some very some very sage life advice there. Actually, we take it <laughs> out of the digital scope and bring it back into the real world. Yeah. Um. So, are there any sort of myths or misconceptions about content? creators or content creation that you feel um you would like to debunk whilst you have the airtime that it's not a job
1: oh my goodness (laughs) I always tell people they're like oh it must be so fun you just get to travel and share all of these places and it's just great and it's just sunshine and smoothie bowls and all of these things and I'm like the hardest job I've ever had in my life was to make it look like I don't have a job Mm. (laughs) So like the nine to five was the easy option. Yeah. Um. So if you, like I said, if you are willing to work mm-hmm. twelve hours a day, by all means, you can do this job. Yeah. Um. I think also, what people get what get sidetracked in is they see one aspect of it on they see what I share on social media. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that is not even a part of the job. That's just creating the community around it. I by no means get paid for. 90% of the stuff that I put on Instagram yeah. like I could stop my Instagram completely right now and in terms of money I'd probably not make any less Yeah, um, I've always just said it's a tool for to your business but that's not my business and people see that and they think that's your business and yeah. it's just fun um, so no what you see is what I do after I've done all of the other work that actually leads to a life um, so yeah I think that's the, the biggest thing it's just like it harder work than everything I've anything I've done and there is something to be said for creating a job and a, a business out of your life like mm-hmm. are you you need to sit yourself down and ask yourself are you prepared to yeah there, there's no separation between the two it's like my work is my life and my life is my work and yeah. it's it's amazing and I'm so grateful for every opportunity I've gotten but it is super hard work
0: yeah those sort of people are very far removed from Hmm. everything behind the scenes
1: yeah behind the scenes that's also another thing where it's like plays in with me like I said not casually using Instagram Mm because I think it's easier for me to see through things of like someone being here and someone else seeing. oh it's amazing but I'm like that was a sponsored thing or like you see them you see the business around it and it makes it less enjoyable to just consume it yeah
0: completely so we've sort of Obviously, in the time of a global pandemic, we really can't get away from it coming into and being sort of a part of almost every conversation that we have during these times and we've sort of we sort of um started asking and ending our episodes with asking our guests um about how the pandemic and if you're in South Africa, which you are um how the lockdown has affected you and your creativity at, um, in a larger sense.
1: It's weird because you feel awful saying this, but it's actually been such a beautiful time to me Yeah. in terms of just the day-to-day at-home life. Mm-hmm. Um, because I keep on saying this, I would never take a break on on my own terms, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think this this space where we we're, were forced, or when there was an the initial lockdown, we were forced to completely stop. Yeah. Like you had no other option. And I think that you couldn't even fight it because there's just absolutely nothing you can do. And I think knowing that, knowing that I had no other option but mm-hmm. to sit down and chill um, was, yeah, that was just the best time. And it's like you don't feel guilty for it because, you, like I said, you know you can't do yeah. anything about this. Where any other break that I had before this, I would feel, it has that little like ping of guilt of like I should be using this time better or whatever. Yeah. Um, Also for me, so my, like I said, I travel around a lot Mm -hmm. and my lease also came to an end just before lockdown. Mm -hmm. And at the time I knew I live alone regularly. So at the time I also knew I would go back to the family because I was not going to be spending three plus weeks alone in an apartment. Um, So yeah, it's been this like, I keep on saying or telling people like it feels like that time between Christmas and New Year's where the family's together and like everyone's just playing board games and it's just like we're cooking together. That was yeah. the initial lockdown period for me. It was so great and it was amazing. And I've been chatting to a lot of people about this. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of creativity, I did. I think, yeah, like I said, the forced break was good. Because yeah. it was, you didn't put pressure on yourself to create. It's like, I can't do any, you could do stuff. But I mean, I I kind of gave into this time. Mm. Um, and there was a period where I completely switched off social media completely, I, probably for a month or so. I amazing. just said, like, no one's sharing anything exciting now. Yeah. We're all at home. I might as well just spend time at home with the people around me.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so, no, yeah, and it, it was amazing. As much as I love doing what I do, the break was needed. And like I just said, it was so restorative and just lovely. Mm.
0: Yeah, and it's it's such a, it's such a, um, like a refreshing a refreshing answer Mm. to that question because i think a lot of us are so focused on it on it being stressful and anxiety provoking and i'm not saying that you didn't feel those emotions but but that break that idea of allowing yourself Mm. to have that forced downtime which i think is so is so necessary
1: yeah and also like knowing that everyone's in on this together exactly that was a good not a good feeling but i mean like it wasn't as if you're the one taking a break, but the rest of the world goes on. Yeah. It's like, we're all in the same boat right now. We might as well give in to this and mm. try try at least to take the best out of these out of these moments. Yeah, totally. And also, like, after coming out of that, like, I mm-hmm. feel like you were sitting in this one space and you were reassessing. I think a lot of people were just reassessing their entire lives. Yeah. <laughs> but you were reassessing what you were doing and what you were working on. And finally, you had that pause of, like, reflecting on what you were doing for the past let say a year or a few months. Yeah. Um, and for me personally, things that came out of this time is way more aligned with what I actually want to be doing than what I was doing prior to the lockdown and prior yeah. to COVID and all of these things. Because um, I actually said, like, I'm just going to be focusing on what I not what I want to be doing, but, I mean, what feels true to me from here. And the, the, if we want to call it content and the topics that I'm chatting about now... Feels more me than anything that I've shared before.
0: This, but I love that, and it's it's almost like you you through that break. I mean, through lockdown, I suppose, through the time when we were um, mandated to stay indoors. Um, for any of our listeners who aren't based in South Africa, um, you you took that time and almost like had that inner sort of conversation that you hadn't had in a while, or that you hadn't had the mm-hmm. time and the sort of the brain space to have. I think a lot of us experienced, yeah
1: Yeah, a lot of us, yeah, you're faced to or forced to kind of face where you're at in life and where you want to be and what you want to work on. A lot of people that lost everything as well, like, you kind of had to rebuild again and it was up to you to choose what you want to rebuild on Mm. Mm -hmm. and I think as scary as that time might have been, it's also been incredible for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, very, very beneficial. Okay, Mishka thank you so much for joining me in conversation it's been such a pleasure to host you um and i wanted to thank you so much for being so honest and thoughtful and kind with your sharing and also just at large um for your presence within a community and for just being that voice of authenticity because i think it's very it's very seen um and it's very um appreciated
1: Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. This was oh, so thank lovely. Thanks, it's, it's been a so pleasure cool. for me as well.